This is the Create Love, Create Freedom podcast. My name is Allison Fisher, and on today's episode, we are going to be talking about emotional regulation versus emotional dysregulation. So in 1998, a man by the names of by the name of James Gross wrote a book called Handbook of Emotional Regulation. And in that book he said, emotional regulation refers to the process by which individuals influence which emotions they have, when they have them, and how they experience and express their feelings. Emotional regulation can be automatic or controlled, conscious or unconscious, and may have effects at one or more points in the emotion-producing process. So I find that this is really interesting because I think so many times we often think that what we are experiencing as an emotion um, kind of just happens, right? And we don't necessarily have a lot of control over it. And what I found is that learning to manage difficult emotions and situations is not only very realistic, but it's also very possible. And it's much more helpful than trying to avoid discomfort, uh, trying to pretend that those really uncomfortable emotions don't exist. And I, I think one of the things to understand when it comes to emotions, regulation or dysregulation, is that we can't heal ourselves out of being a human being, right? We are going to at times feel both positive and negative emotions, um, but we can learn how to influence the emotions that we have when we have them, and then how we experience and express our feelings. And to me, that's really helpful because Again, it's not just something that happens to me. It's also something that I can repattern a little bit. I can make changes when things come up and I say, ooh, I don't really like how I handled that. So um, what I find really interesting as well is that when we regulate our emotions, we're really working with a set of skills that we have learned to develop um, so that we can really work with our emotions in a very healthy manner. Now, we're not born with this, right? We have to work on it. It's kind of like leadership. Um, you know, it's kind of like when people say, oh, that person is so talented. Instead, really seeing that, you know, the effort, the the understanding that is put into how we learn how to regulate our emotions. And um, also how we put that into practice. So let's go a little bit further into what emotional regulation is. When I look at, you know, the emotional regulation, I look at what a healthy regulation can include. This could be talking with a trusted person. This could be um, you know, maybe working with a therapist. This could be positive affirmations. Um, it could be removing yourself from a situation or going no contact or low contact with someone who um, really stirs up a lot of really negative emotion within you. It can also be challenging your negative thoughts right? Uh, could be, uh, you know, when we have those negative thoughts come up, really work on our internal dialogue, what we say to ourselves about ourselves, but really challenging them and saying, well, is that really true? Um, you know, am, am, is it always going to be this way? Because one of the things that I find really interesting and, and studies have shown that when we are in some sort of negative thought process, it feels like we're going to stay there forever. When in fact, one of the most important things for me, when it has come to, you know, really working with my emotions is realizing that thoughts and feelings can come and go. They're not going to stay 
forever. Now, it can feel like that in the moment, but I can also remind myself, okay, but I know that that's not actually true. Um, Another way that we can regulate our healthy uh, or regulate emotions and move towards more healthy emotions is, you know, exercising. Um, You know, this could be going for a walk. This could be playing a sport. This could be going uh, for a workout, right? Whatever that is. On the other hand, unhealthy emotional regulation or emotional dysregulation can look like um, a lot of anxiety, um, a lot of kind of anger or rage or maybe aggressive behaviors towards someone else or towards yourself. Um, it could also be the the kind of blaming, right? Constantly not taking responsibility for how you feel and placing the the blame on someone else. This could also be frequent emotional detachment, suppression. This could be self-harming behaviors, any sort of substance abuse. Um, and then this can also be avoiding withdrawing, staying away from situations and people. And not just certain situations and people, but maybe all situations and people for a while. And I think that that's a really interesting part of, you know, noticing, right, where our emotions are kind of falling. Are we regulating them well, or are we not regulating them very well? So emotional dysregulation is really the inability to manage emotions or emotional reactions to the things that can happen to us in our life. Um, This can be, you know, frustration, sadness, irritability, anger. Now, sometimes, uh, you know, we can see a lot of emotional changes within ourselves, right? When we are triggered, when we are frustrated. Um, when we are sometimes feeling fairly lonely. But a lot of these kinds of feelings can, I would say, slow down a little bit. They can um, ease off a little bit, either when they're dealt with or just simply a little bit over time, right? And they, they don't always cause a really significant imbalance in our life. But when we are in those kinds of darker times, darker spaces, when there's kind of chronic emotional dysregulation, um, when we haven't really gained the skills to be able to work with our emotions, um, whether, you know, maybe there's a history of mental health conditions or trauma. Could be childhood trauma, could be some adult trauma, you know. Um, it's much harder after you've been triggered uh, to really process your emotions. And even if you're not on the spectrum of emotional, like full emotional dysregulation most of the time, um, or you know, you have not been diagnosed with an emotional dysregulation disorder, because again, that's one very far end of the spectrum. What I found is that still learning, learning some skills about how to work with my nervous system, work with my emotions, has been very helpful in terms of maintaining, I would say, uh, much more of that healthy kind of space. Um, kind of staying within that, you know, within those feelings of healthy emotional regulation. So again, let's look at a few more symptoms of emotional dysregulation. This could be, again, having a lot of negative thoughts. Um, Feeling a bit out of control, really anxious, really frustrated. Um, Could be some uh, depression could be finding really healthy ways of coping with the the stress and the emotions, the feelings that come up for you. Um, 
and, and then really struggling with calming down again, right? Maybe you've been uh, moved a bit into the the yellow or the red um, on like kind of when you think about the scale on the nervous system, when we look at polyvagal theory, right? You've moved from the green, the dorsal vagal, or excuse me, the ventral vagal uh, system, which is the system of connection, right? Where you can really meet the demands of the day. You, you're connected and engaged with life. And you've really moved into the sympathetic, the yellow, or the dorsal vagal, the red, where, you know, in the sympathetic, this is really a lot of that action, right? When you have the emotional dysregulation, you you act in a lot of kind of different ways. Again, anger, anxiousness, um, this kind of chaotic energy, this kind of need to escape. Um, and then the dorsal vagal, which is really the system of shutdown. Lack of hope, disconnection, just kind of going through the motions. And the, you know, when, when you're in emotional dysregulation, you can really kind of move into that yellow and that red, right? Emotional regulation, you may have spiked a little bit. You may have, you know, gone from the green and into the yellow a little bit, or as I like to call um, lime green, right? You're not in the green, but you're not in the yellow, but you're kind of somewhere in the middle, right? You're, you're moving towards the yellow, um, a little bit of the mix of the, the yellow and the green. And this can also lead to a lot of conflict in personal relationships, a lot of confusion about your emotions. It can also move into some things like um, high-risk sexual behaviors, high-conflict relationships, self-harming behaviors, right? But, you know, the more that we can find the skills and be able to learn how to regulate some of our emotions um, or a majority of our emotions and know that they are fleeting, they come and they go, um, can be very useful as well. So some of the causes of emotional dysregulation. There can be childhood trauma. There can be childhood emotional neglect, um, particularly in the early developmental stages for a child where their safety, um, their sense of connection, closeness, belonging, um, that kind of very consistent, sturdy structure for them to kind of operate in as children has been, they have learned maladaptive behaviors because it really wasn't there or it was, it was constantly varying, right? Uh, one of the things that can really cause a lot of childhood trauma and whatnot, it, it's not just that your needs never got met. Sometimes it is the inconsistency of how your needs got met. Um, now, there can also be things like you know, traumatic brain injuries. There can be uh, genetic kinds of things that come up for people um, when it comes to you know emotional dysregulation. And for me, in my childhood, what I really noticed was having a parent who had a related disorder that was very much connected to an inability to manage emotions. Now, for some people, um, and you know, in, in their family, it may have been um, ADHD, it could have been um, a disruptive mood. Uh, dysregulation disorder. Um, there can certainly be bipolar. Uh, my mother uh, has bipolar. My mother uh, also has borderline personality disorder. And that condition, again, she's untreated, undiagnosed, but it really kind of gets to how she sees herself, how she sees the world around her, how she sees other people, and she, so she really struggles with not only her own self-image, but also very chaotic emotions, very dysregulated emotions, um, very challenging relationships is another kind of big indicator. Um, very co high conflict relationships. Um, and 
the reactions that she has to her emotions or the way that someone may have said something. And then she will more than just take it personally. Um, she won't be able to almost kind of function in some ways for a period of time. So I, I've noticed that a lot with her. And what I've also noticed is that has created, I would say, a, a more of a struggle for me. Um, I got to see some positive um, emotional regulation in my childhood with my father, although between my father and my mother, it was a little bit more difficult you know, in their relationship. And so I've had to learn some of the, I would say some of the the skills to help me learn how to regulate my own emotions as I got older. Um, particularly, I noticed it coming up a lot for me in my 20s, um, where I was like, I, I don't feel like I'm handling this very well. I don't want to handle it poorly. But I want to learn how to handle it better. And so in my 30s now, that has been a space where I've been learning a few things about how to handle um how to handle some emotional dysregulation. And that has been, you know, very helpful for me. So let's look at some different um, I guess I would say ways to address emotional dysregulation. And again, this is not going to be on the far end of the spectrum where someone necessarily has um necessarily has um emotional dysregulation disorder, right? This is more, hey, I, I just want to be better at some of these things. I just want to move myself forward in a bit of a different way. And I think, you know, we, we need to kind of address things by really looking at our situation. Um, I like to kind of figure out what healthy kind of behavior looks like. Oh, okay. I'm able to feel that negative emotion that's coming up for me. And then I'm able to put some skills into place in order to really kind of work through it. I don't need to kind of go to one extreme. I don't need to go to those uh, really awful dark places in my mind where I get in that very linear thinking. It's very black and white. This is the only good way and this is the only negative way, right? And so I think that it's really important to, to first bring some self-awareness in and really kind of say, okay, what like kind of where I am on the spectrum. Um, I, again, that gets me out of black and white thinking. That gets me out of, well, I'm completely emotionally dysregulated right now. Or, you know, I'm really struggling with this thing. Or my thoughts are kind of moving into this, these obsessive thoughts, this rumination. I keep going over and over and over it, right? Versus being in this space where I can say, oh, okay, I see what's happening right now. I see that I need to work with myself on regulating my emotions, my nervous system. I see that I'm kind of in this space of, you know, kind of going down a path that I need to work with myself to kind of move through. Now, we can also look at why emotional regulation is important. We face so many situations throughout our day. Um, of course, some days are really great, right? But other days we can kind of get, I don't know, knocked down a little bit. Um, for me, sometimes it's a comment that someone will make. Not as much as just anybody anymore, but um, recently I had a situation over the weekend where my dad came over and we worked out together in my home gym. And he made a comment about how he thought I was living my life. And I had to work through it for the next, you know, little bit. I had to realize that he sees the world a little differently. Um, you know, he feels like there should be maybe uh, kind of ticking some boxes, right? Um, you know, you get married, you have children, you buy a house, um, you know, at some point in their advanced degrees, those kinds of things. And in some ways, I think that he would really love it if my life were to move 
much more linear than it has, right? You, you ticked off this box, then this box, then this one. And for me, that was a little bit stressful because it was like, I am working on so many things. I am just so many things, but like very focused things. And I might be going at things a little bit differently, but that's okay. My path doesn't have to be his path. And I also had to kind of take a step back and realize that back when he was my age, um, the world was a little different. And so he is looking at things from his lens, from his worldview. And again, in our daily lives, work, whether that be school, relationships, parenting, um, you know, throughout, you know, our our day, we can have these these events, these these situations that come up for us that we didn't really plan for. Kind of like the conversation with my dad. I wasn't expecting him to say something like that. And I think it's so important to realize, of course, that life is constantly changing. One of the things that we can constantly um you know, know about our lives is that change will come. Uh, actually, one of the ways that really helped me work with emotional regulation was understanding that nothing is ever going to stay the same. It's okay that change happens. I need to be able to move and flow with that change a little bit better. And my emotions can change too. My dad and I were having a great workout, and then I'm kind of feeling like, uh, maybe slightly defensive. Um, maybe I don't. I wouldn't say attacked. I would just say more like I didn't feel like I was really very understood. Um, like the hard work, the progress that I've been making in life. Not that that's the only thing that should be happening in life, but I enjoy that forward motion. Um, I'm a person who's pretty ambitious, and what I really you know, usually appreciate is when he says something that's very positive towards the things that I'm doing. Yet, he doesn't have to. He can have his own thoughts and beliefs about something. And I can choose whether or not um, I allow that to make me feel bad about myself, uh, allow that to pull me into dark thoughts, or simply go along with what he says and build my life around him. So that's one of the things that I really had to work with is I had to be able to regulate my emotions, to cope with something that he said, but also daily changes, uh, daily challenges in my life. And to be the best version of myself, for you to be the best version of yourself. Being able to handle, deal with, cope with, and build healthy emotions is vitally important. One of the things that I have found is that research um, has indicated that healthy emotional regulation has some very positive connections. Um, with better psychological health, better ability to have interpersonal relationships, and better social functioning. Um, it allows us to deal with stressful situations, stressful life events much better. It increases our well-being. Because again, we're not, for me, the issue is not dark thoughts. The, the issue is not negative thoughts. Those are going to come up. Um, I'm someone who's very in touch with the darker parts of who I am. At the same time, to me, emotional regulation is very much not staying in that space. It's deciding, okay, um, you know, I could stay here. I could go down this rabbit hole of the dark, you know, the, the, you know, allowing that kind of darkness to permeate all parts of my my mind and then my heart and then my body and then the rest of my life where i'm kind of walking around with this cloud and 
So instead, what I like to do is work with those kind of negative thoughts, uh, that kind of darkness that comes up in me. And I think that in order to, again, live the best life possible, it's not trying to eliminate certain thoughts or feelings or emotions, but it is trying to work with those kinds of things, work with ourselves um, so that we can constantly really become that, that best version of ourselves that we can be. So next, let's look at some skills when it comes to emotional regulation. Um, as I said before, one of the most important things that I've done, and I learned this from a mentor of mine, uh, he's a retired Navy SEAL, and he works a lot with leadership and mindset. Um, you know, obviously he's gone through um, a very profound experience where he needed not only emotional regulation, but really kind of working with his thoughts, his emotions, whether that be warfare, whether that simply just be the, you know, Navy SEAL training process, all of that. And one of the things that uh, Tom Shea taught me was learning how to work with my internal dialogue. Now, internal dialogue is what I say to myself about myself, right? And by not clinging to the negativity and then by reframing it, at least getting it to a neutral space. And then also not moving it into false positivity, but seeing it from much more of a clear view. One of the things that I've learned as well is that really working with my internal dialogue often means that I need to be operating from a place of detachment taking a step back, widening the lens. Because if I had really gone down that rabbit hole of, well, my father doesn't like any of the things that I'm doing in my life, or he doesn't really respect the business that I'm building. Well, then I'm really adding fuel to a fire that really wasn't there. That's not what he said. What he was talking about was his beliefs on what I should do, how I could become even better. Now, it was more so, you know, getting the the PhD in clinical psychology. I may or may not do that. I don't know. Um, but, you know, and then it was having the brick and mortar where I could work with clients, patients, whatever. And I said, you know, that's not really something that I want to do. I want to work with people in a different kind of capacity. The world is changing quite a bit. But in order to not go down that kind of deep path of, well, my father just doesn't support me. He doesn't love me. Um, I am going to feel very disconnected from him. I did that emotional detachment and I took a step back. And I first thought about it from his perspective. First of all, he deeply loves and cares about me. He wants me to be happiest, healthiest, successful version of myself, right? And at the same time, though, it's okay that our paths look different. What he interprets as successful or happy or healthy can be different from the way that I view it. It doesn't mean it's completely different, but I really had to change my internal dialogue, or I should say in that case, it was make sure I didn't go to a place that was like, I'm so behind in life, I'm not where my father thinks I should be. And instead, what I did was I also did that detachment. I took a step back and I said, hmm, interesting. Okay, um, my dad can have the beliefs that he has and I can choose to, to see it how it actually is. I can gain a broader view by taking a few steps back, by emotionally detaching. And I think that this is also really connected to mindful awareness. And I would also say self-awareness. It was noticing, first of all, the emotions that I was feeling. I was a little sad 
that's kind of how we viewed things. Um, it made me feel like we weren't as connected, right? At the same time, I could name those things after we finished our workout and after he left. Didn't judge the fact that I felt that way, but I was also able to explore my feelings. And then again, I was able to step into that mindful awareness where I was able to explore more things about that space around me, including my dad. The other thing is we didn't dive really deep into where he was emotionally at that point, at that moment, right? Maybe something had uh, triggered him or caused him a little bit of anxiety or um, feeling not being, you know, a feeling of not being very safe, you know, within his body, right? I don't know if there were other things that came up for him and, you know, he was just kind of maybe doing a little bit of projecting, maybe doing a little bit of letting his fear kind of come out. And that's okay too. He's able to express that. He didn't do it in a malicious, malevolent, um, damaging way. He just said what he thought. And so I think it's very important to also kind of be at that space of awareness where you can really determine whether or not, you know, that's, that's something that, um, that you need to really kind of take full responsibility for. And for me, obviously, uh, living my life the way my father wants to is not something that I'm going to do. Now, on the other hand, one of the things that has really helped me as well to kind of regulate my emotions was learning how to self-soothe. Um, learning how to kind of soothe my inner child a little bit. Because in that moment of feeling very disconnected from my father, and again, my father was really the, the stability and security in my childhood home because of my mother's borderline and her bipolar. Um, and so when I feel that bit of dysregulation, it kind of almost takes me back to my childhood self a couple of times in life where I felt like, you know, as a child, like my father may have sided more with my mother. And those were moments when I felt that that was very unfair because of the way that she acted or reacted or whatever to situations. So learning how to self-soothe, um, learning how to kind of hold myself and say, okay, hold on, we don't have to go down this rabbit hole of feeling self-pity, uh, feeling like we're not good enough, feeling like, you know, we're not understood. And instead, I'm going to give that to myself. I'm going to soothe those parts of me. Now, part of self-soothing is also loving kindness, creating myself like I am someone worthy of the very best things in life, uh, worthy of love and time and attention and affection and connection and belonging and being part of a group of people that is um, more than just myself, right? And then also self-compassion. It's okay that I felt the way I did, that these negative feelings came up for me. Um, and even though they were even harder because it was with someone who I so deeply love and care about. But I can have um, this, this deep kind of self-compassion for myself. And really also remembering all of the positive things that I've done in my life, in my business. Um, and actually, one of the things that I came across recently uh, was on being a late bloomer. And um, I found that to be really helpful too. Again, another way of looking at something. My life doesn't have to fit into what society says that it should. And uh, this this quote or this uh, little post on um, Instagram uh, was kind of one of those um, Myers-Briggs 
typing kind of uh, websites or, or, or um, pages, I should say, on Instagram. And it was a post and it was about the INFJ and I'm an INFJ. And so for me, I really had to remember that society, yes, will sometimes look down on the people who are quote, late bloomers. And that's kind of how I felt a little bit in my life. I've always known what I wanted, what I wanted to go towards. I've always had goals and dreams and ambitions and aspirations, but it really wasn't until I worked through a lot of my wounds that I've actually been able to get there. And I didn't realize that some of the wounds existed. I didn't really understand why I struggled so much with competence as well as confidence. And the competence piece lacked a lot because of the confidence. And then when I look back at my childhood, and I've really had to work through that. So, you know, it is okay if it takes you longer to find your path in life. It's okay that your sensitivity, or at least for me, my sensitivity is a double-edged sword. It both makes me incredibly good at the things that I pursue, and it can also sometimes be my greatest weakness because I am so sensitive to what other people say and do in my life. Um, and so, you know, I, I think it's so important to realize that we don't need to be penalized. Um, we don't have to self-penalize for starting our purpose a little later than other people. It doesn't mean I'm late. It doesn't mean I'm behind. And also realizing that my life could have taken multiple paths and I didn't ever choose a wrong path. I had to eliminate some paths, but and that would have taken me in a very different direction in life. But I most likely wouldn't be where I am now. And I love where I am now. So I think that that's a really important thing to remember, um, particularly if you have a parent who will occasionally say something like, um, well, I guess that feels like what they're saying is you should be further along in life and you should be doing it this way, right? And it's okay to say, hey, I'm going to regulate my emotions by deciding that my path is still really wonderful. And then I think another thing as well that's really helped me has been through having an emotional support system. So in the past, if, you know, let's say my father had said something similar, um, and I had let those beliefs about, well, my dad just doesn't think that I'm, uh, you know, capable or that I am going in the right direction, I would have immediately called one of my friends. I wouldn't have done any of the self-regulation to begin with. What's interesting, though, is several hours later, I did talk to somebody about it. I talked to my sister. Um, I also talked to a friend of mine. And I think that emotional support, I think, is so useful when we are in that ability of regulating our emotions, when we are also self-soothing first. Uh, giving ourselves a lot of that self-compassion first. And then we can move into that kind of emotional support and co-regulation with another person. So uh, there's a really great book that Deb Dana wrote, and it was uh, it's called Anchored, How to Befriend Your Nervous System Using Polyvagal Theory. And in co-regulation, that's where you're going to another person that you really trust. So first of all, know your friend group. Um, I am a big fan of eliminating people from my inner circle or even from you know that those kind of outer rings of the circle um, when it's not it, it's not reciprocal energy. We're not both giving and receiving. They are doing a lot more of the taking. So when I reach out for emotional support, I'm reaching out to very specific kinds of people, right? People that I know, that I trust, uh, that I love, and that I know will do the co-regulation with me. So well-being, because we talked about some of the ways that um, emotional regulation is so important, right? It's deeply important for our well-being. Well-being is determined by moments of safely connecting with other people. 
and that is co-regulation, and that is part of that emotional support. Um, you know, it it can allow other people to show you some of the holes that you've got going on in your life, um, some of the deficits, some of the ways that you need to kind of either improve, you know, your life, your thinking, whatever. And I think that that's really important. Um, and, and it is important to seek em- emotional support um, from other people, from those really positive people in our life that can show us, uh, you know, particularly in our thinking, where, you know, we, we're seeing things not from that detached perspective, because they are emotionally detached from the situation. So those are some of the things that I have done um, to really help me um, work on regulating my emotions. Now, several years ago was when I had really started doing that. So I'll give you a couple other things that I did and still do over time um, and have done over time that really helped me. But these things are really kind of the things that helped me jumpstart some of that when I was in the very beginning stages. So some of that was positive uh, daily self-affirmations. I've talked about it multiple times on the podcast, but one of the things that really helped me was... Um, a group called Priestess Presence. And it really got me into my feminine a lot more. And there were guided kind of meditations. And I particularly love soul spa journeys, um, you know, the positive magnetizing shower, the detoxification bath. And she goes through this beautiful scene. There, she uses different colors, different references. Um, but you know, uh, there was one that I just listened to a couple days ago, actually right after. Oh, that's interesting. I forgot about that. I went on a walk a couple hours after my dad had left because I was doing work. Um, and I just, I felt this need to connect again a little bit more to my inner feminine. So I listened to a meditation on the goddess of love, um, Aphrodite, Lakshmi, um, Lolita. And she went through this whole beautiful visualization of walking down these marble steps. You know, the the path that you're walking on is this, uh, is inlaid with all these rose quartz crystals. Um, you know, you're eating strawberries. There's Damascena roses, right, that come from Morocco. Um, there's this beautiful space to bathe, to, you know, sometimes we can take a nice hot bath, right? That is one of the the things that I will do to regulate my emotion a lot. Um, You know, play that meditation, whatever, but sometimes we just need to do so in our mind because we're out and about in our day, we're working or whatever. Self-affirmations can be very profound, particularly as you move down this journey, especially if you're starting your emotional regulation journey. Another is journaling. I will sometimes journal about how I'm feeling. Um, I would do that very early on in my process. Now it's a lot more about the things that I find really interesting. So I will write down things that I come across on Instagram or, um, you know, um, a a post, a podcast, a, a blog, a vlog, you know, videos, whatever. And so for me, that's really helpful. Meditating is also very useful. I've actually just been adding to my meditation practice. I bought, I believe it's from Shakti Mats, um, but it's this, there's a, a mat and then I got the little uh, rounded pillow for the, behind your neck um, and it's an acupressure mat. Um, so working on some relaxation every day, um, some breath work, very helpful. And then as well is regular self-care. So for me, I was someone who for a very long time, I didn't do a lot of self-care. I pushed, pushed, pushed. Um, I was constantly in a state of doing. I was uh, both in, I would kind of vacillate between my wounded feminine, trying to gain attention and affection uh, from people, but also men. 
Again, oftentimes listening to what my parents thought that I should be doing. And instead, or then on the other end, I would also listen to a lot of times what our culture says, which is as women, we need to be productive, constantly productive. What I found is that really stifles my creativity. And I was very much more in the distorted feminine. And then I was trying to compete with men at all times. And it wasn't until I moved into that awakened state and I decided, wait a minute, I need to rethink some of these things. Um, and that's the space when I started really treating myself like I am worthy of time, love, affection, attention. And I started giving it to myself. Again, time in nature, um, buying myself fresh flowers, um, buying, uh, you know, uh, creating a very feminine house, having a bed and sheets and, um, you know, a, a very feminine bedroom, a very feminine home. To me, that was really important. Um, now, every week I take myself to the spa where I do hydrotherapy, uh, the hot and the cold pools, uh, very relaxing. Um, and then there's also the eucalyptus steam room and the, the sauna. I realize not everybody can do that. Not everyone has access to that. But even doing a hot bath and a cold shower, very helpful and useful for you. Uh, for me as well, it was taking very good care of my body by, you know, getting the massage, but also um, working out, going on long walks, um, you know, also eating incredibly healthy. I started changing up, you know, partly due to my PCOS, but really changing up a lot of the things in my routine. Uh, recently, I've been adding, uh, there was only one element of Dr. Andrew Huberman's routine that I had not been doing, and that was getting outside really soon after waking. And so like this morning, I swept um, the patio, uh, you know, while I was just in that bright light kind of facing towards where the sun was going to rise and, you know, getting those more cognitive benefits as well. Sunshine can be a really great place as well. And then also another couple other forms of self-care, financial self-care, um, making sure that for me personally, that I'm investing, um, you know, that I am saving that I've got kind of a little bit of a, a safety net, security. Um, another thing as well was really creating very deep friendships. That's another form of self-care for me. It doesn't just have to be getting your hair, your hair done and your manicure and your pedicure, although those are wonderful, um, but doing the little things. Uh, another thing for me is I have a very solid evening routine that sets me up for very good sleep. It includes stretching, it includes a little CBD, CBN tincture. Um, it includes laying on that acupressure mat. It includes having the phone set aside, playing uh, very meditative kinds of music, something that's important to me. Um, I also really love binaural beats. And that really sets me up for a very good night's sleep. And then a really wonderful morning routine where I do things that really care for myself. Again, very healthy breakfast. Um, because of my PCOS, I need 50 to 60 grams of protein in the morning, uh, a workout, um, time in reflection, meditation, journaling, doing all those things. So consider that as well. I have found a lot of deep self-care to be incredibly helpful for regulating and managing my emotions. Um, and not moving into such a dysregulated space. And then also learning a lot about polyvagal theory. Uh, this month in our members club, actually by the time this podcast episode comes out, we will have moved into uh, next month's uh, masterclass in our members club. And um, that will be emotional neglect. Um, I'm also finding that there has not been a lot of scientific research done um, and studies done on emotional neglect. So I don't know. I'm just thinking, oh gosh, maybe that's something I should I should be working on. Um, you know, setting up some of those kinds of things. So, but one of the other things uh, that we talked about in August in our master class, uh, our members club uh, master class was 
uh, using Deb Dana's book, Befriending Your Nervous System, using polyvagal theory, we really looked at regulating your nervous system and regulating, um, you know, using polyvagal theory for that understanding our nervous system. So if you are interested in joining our members club, it is a subscription of $29 a month. And it is a community that I have built for women who want to do their own healing work. We believe that we are our own best self-healers and doing so in community with each other, I think is incredibly profound um, helps us feel loved and connected, firmed. Um, also, like we are part of a tribe. So if you'd like to join, uh, you can go to Create Love Freedom on Instagram. Uh, click on the link in my bio. Uh, we do have a free portion where you can just sign up. Uh, you will have access to uh, talking with some of the other women um, in the members club and then also uh, the live Q&A uh, call that I have each month. Um, if you sign up and you pay your $29 a month subscription, that's when you have access to uh, the master classes, the multiple videos that I have under each master class, and also the work. So each month that I put out. Uh, so consider that. I also have a free quiz um, that I'm doing right now that leads into a course that I am developing. And it is the Feminine Reclaiming Quiz. So you can really look at where you are in your feminine reclaiming process, whether you're the wounded feminine, the distorted feminine, the awakened feminine, and the divine feminine. And then I'm in the process of creating a course that should be released probably uh, this fall. And that is learning how to really heal that wounded and distorted feminine, looking at the kinds of relationships, particularly with men that you've had in the past. Um, learning how to heal some of that wound, those wounds, looking at the trauma that can be present and moving into that awakened state. And then from there, really moving into our divine feminine and how to co-create the kinds of relationships that we're looking for and also get a deeper grasp on our deepest purpose in life and then how to put that out into the world. So uh, if you take the quiz, there is a portion in the quiz where you can send me your email address. And I, once the course is ready, the Feminine Reclaiming course, I am going to send out an email to those women who sent me their email addresses and say, course is ready. I will offer it to the first 10 women at a 50% discount. And they will then uh, give me some of their feedback as to what to do better, what was really good, what needs to, um, you know, what I need to go deeper on, things like that, so that the course is incredibly helpful and useful for for all women. So um, I hope that this episode was helpful for you. Until next time. <laughs>